So we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 6 today as we look at the small things. So just in a short little section, a story that maybe you've never read, even if you've been a Christian your whole life, you're like, I don't know about that story. 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. And it is a story about the small things. Now, most of my years growing up was in Colorado Springs. And for a while, my family went to a small church that met in someone's home. It was a house church. And there was just a, you know, a handful of us, I don't remember, 30, 40 people. So because it was so small, we would take time every Sunday morning to share prayer requests. And we pray for each other in this small church. And we have too many people here. If we were going to do that, we'd be here all day. So that's why we encourage community groups. That's a really great place. I know some community groups have a like text change and email change of all the prayer requests that are going. You know, people even send texts throughout the week and say, hey, this thing's happening right now. Pray for me. And you can have those community around your friend. But in that church, it's small, so we could do that, right? We could do that. And I remember because every single week, every single Sunday, there was this one woman who had the most devastating prayer requests every week. Somebody had cancer. Somebody, you know, got in a car accident and almost died. This person is in prison. This person's child ran away. And it's the heaviest prayer request. Their friends and family. And this woman seemed to be connected to all these people. And I remember hearing those. They were, they were real things that we ended up right But I thought, man, my stuff so small. So insignificant. I never shared my prayer requests. Because they're just so tiny things compared to those big things. Those are things God cares about. But my stuff, not so much. You ever felt that way? That my stuff just isn't as important? Does God really care about this stuff in my life? I spoke with one woman this week who said that. She said, sometimes it just feels like I'm bothering God with the things I have. I'm just bothering God. And is that true? Is that true? I think what we're going to see in this story is that we kind of have this false view of who God is and what His heart is. And we're going to learn to correct that with this story. Because I find people that I talk to that aren't even Christians, and they say, how, how does that even make sense? That God cares about all these prayers. From how many billion, two billion people that call themselves Christians, how does God handle all those prayers for these little tiny things? They think, doesn't God have bigger things to worry about? Bigger fish to fry? I mean, there's wars going on in Syria, there's mass shootings. My stuff doesn't even care. What do you even listen I think that this idea of God is best illustrated by a movie that came out. Uh, now it's been a few years, but a lot of you have seen it, I'm sure. Bruce Almighty. And Jim Carrey gets to play God for a little bit. So let's watch this clip. Prayers, prayers, okay, prayers. This is most important. Let all prayers be organized in thought. Well, it takes care of voices. Not exactly space here, though. Where's my notice? Prayer bounces! Thank <laughs> you. 
think that's how a lot of people think about God. Like, how could he handle all those prayers, all those voices, all the, there's no way he can handle all those prayers at once, right? And it's a false view of God. It's a false view of God. So I hope that we can correct that today, and that we can start to see the unseen. And what I hope that you see today is that no matter, um, uh, that nothing is too small. Nothing is too small for our big God. Okay, we have these prayer requests. There's lots of them. There are things in our life. But nothing's too small, no matter what it is. Nothing is too small for our big God. So let's look at this story in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. We read, The company of the prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole, and let us build a place there for us to meet. And he said, Go. Wow, this is a really intense story, isn't it? Really intense. I mean, we've seen some wars and battles, but this talks them all, doesn't it? What? These prophets, these guys, they're probably like pastors and teachers, kind of like me, and they've been meeting in a place, maybe this is some sort of like seminary or school for them, and there's too many of them, they can't fit in there, so they're going to build a new building. Man, that's a major story, isn't it? We got, we got zero room. This is important stuff. No, it's actually kind of small, isn't it? <laughs> Seems like it's just kind of everyday life stuff. I mean, I'm sure for those guys it felt pretty big. Okay, we got we got to get a build, bigger building. It's a building project, right? So that's a big deal when we go through those things. But now we're looking back a few thousand years later, and we think that's kind of a small thing. Isn't it? It's just everyday life stuff. You need a bigger building, so build a bigger building, right? Uh, I think that's the way it thinks. For these guys, it sure felt pretty big, and that's what it is in our lives because we have these things. That, you know, you're starting your first job or you're, you know, moving into a house or there's something going on in your life and it just feels so big. And then a little bit afterwards, we're like, everybody goes through that. You know, everybody goes through that first job, first kid, the first house, all those scenarios. They seem so big at the time, but they're really kind of just normal stuff, aren't they? But at the time, they feel big. And that's the case in this story. Not really that significant in the big history of, you know, Miracles, wars, battles, kings. But that's the point. And then we'll see this. So, as we read that these guys are going down there, and they're going to the river, because the river is where it's very wooded, and they can chop down the trees, and there's a lot of lumber there as they're chopping down trees. So these guys are out there working with Elisha, chopping trees. They're all working together. And then this happens. Verse 5. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Did you catch that? The axe head fell into the water. Oh no, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed! <laughs> now this is a pretty significant event, isn't it? I mean, it's huge. The axe head fell into the water. You should kind of chuckle a little bit. To this guy, it was a big deal. I mean, this is Zach said, well, he's going to have to repay him. He didn't have the money to repay this guy. Iron just had, just a few hundred years before this had really come on the scene, so this is probably pretty rare at the time. You don't just go down to Home Depot and buy a new axe. And the middle of the sword, he's worried, oh no! He cried out to Elisha, my axe head! And he's swinging it backwards, and you just see him, <laughs> flies into the river. And the Jordan River, this muddy that we talked about, can't see the bottom, it's lost. So, we read this and we kind of chuckle. We're like, that's kind of a small thing, isn't it? It's kind of a small thing. But this guy was stressful. It worried him. It weighed on him because he wanted to give this accent back after he finished work. And that's how it can be with situations in our lives. 
Have you ever had something going on in your life and it feels so big, so huge, so stressful, and then you tell someone else and they're like, oh, that's nothing. That ever happened to you? It happens to me a lot when I come home from work. You know, something seems so big and then I tell Melissa, she's like, oh, that's nothing. And she's not trying to minimize it. She's right. She's like, eh, the week you won't even remember this happened. She's right. I don't. But at the time, it feels so big, doesn't it? Feels stressful. These things give us anxiety. But to anybody else who's an outside observer, they say, "Oh, that's easy. That'll pass. Don't worry about it." There's other aspects in the sea. Right? <laughs> you know, there's these things. But it feels so big to us. So this is what Elisha says in verse six. It says the man of God asked, "Who cares? Why are you bringing this problem to me? Why are you complaining?" Suck it up and get back to work. Who cares? Does he say any of that stuff? No, what does Elijah say? Well, where did it fall? Where did it fall? This is Elijah who is the man of God. He represents God on the earth. Show me now what God needs. He says, well, where did it fall? He's concerned. He shows some care about this man in this kind of trivial event. Where did it fall? And then what Elijah does is he go takes takes a branch from a tree and he cuts it up and he takes this stick and when they find the spot in the water where it went, he throws the stick in the water and the axe head rises. It floats. Did you guys catch that? This is a miracle! Iron doesn't float. Have you ever put metal in water? It doesn't float. It goes straight to the bottom. It's axe head. It already went down to the and now it's floating. This is a major miracle of God, isn't it? He's <laughs> a miracle. God is showing his power over, over nature that he can subvert the powers of water and buoyancy and this iron axe that floats to the surface. And yet we look at it and we're like, that's it? I mean, even look at Elisha's life. We've seen some amazing stories already. We've seen Elisha bring a dead boy back to life. We've seen Elisha when this woman, her, her sons were about to be sold into slavery. For debt, provide oil and provide the money so that you get amazing miracles that Elisha was part of. Elisha has even stood before kings in, in battle. He's been with generals who have these major health conditions. He talks to kings and generals, important people, important miracles, and here he is causing an asset to float. There's even some minor stories we didn't even cover yet. At the end of chapter 2 of 2 Kings, at the end of chapter 4, there's a few stories there. They're including one where this whole village had poisoned water, and Elisha heals the water, provides clean water for this village of people. That's a pretty cool miracle. There's another time where this group of young men um, basically were taunting Elisha, and in my opinion, they were probably out there to try to kill him, because there was over 40 of them surrounding Elisha, and he calls down bears to protect himself. That, this is crazy. I mean, wow, this is powerful stuff. Another time, uh, Elisha, there was a group of guys who ate some poison stew, and he throws some flour in it, and all of a sudden they're all healed. These are bizarre miracles, but they're crazy, right? They're big stuff. But this? The accent floating? How does that make the cut? How does that make it into the Bible? But I think that's the point. I think that's the point, that nothing is too small for our big God. God cares about those little things. He's at work in those situations in our life. They feel big to us, but everybody else is like, that's kind of a small thing. It's trivial. It's insignificant. But God wants to be involved in them. He cares about those things. 
cared about this man that we don't know his name, but God cared about it enough to create this miracle of the asset floating to the surface. John Newton, who many of you know because he wrote a pretty famous thing called Amazing Grace, also wrote this little line of poetry about this section of the Bible. He says, Not one concern of ours is small if we belong to him. To teach us this, the Lord of all once made the iron to sling. God was at work there because he wanted us to see his heart. That he's concerned about the things that we're concerned about. That he cares about the things we care about. That nothing is too small for our big God. So the problem that most of us have is that we have this, like I said, a false view of God. That he is, like, basically like us. Haven't you ever had times where you're like, I, I can't handle all this stuff. It takes you a long time to think about stuff. We think God is the same way. That he needs these file cabinets, these post-its, the, the computer system, right, to be able to handle all these prayers. But God is infinite. He created it. Now, I think there's a good analogy even from things that we see around us in our world. I looked this up, and there's a computer that in 2017, it's one of these supercomputers, that is able to make one quintillion calculations every second. Do you know what a quintillion is? That's a million trillion. So, if you decided, I'm going to make a calculation every second. Man, I can't do that. work that fast anymore. <laughs> Math. But if you're going to make a calculation every second, and you got everyone on the entire planet, all seven billion people, to make a calculation every second, it would take four and a half years to match one second of this supercomputer. So we know that there's processing power faster than our brains, right? So why can't God, I'm not saying he's a supercomputer in the sky, but I'm saying if we see things around us that can make more processing power than we can in our brains, can't God be even greater than that? Can't he be able to handle all those prayers? Another way to think about it that helps a lot of people is what C.S. Lewis talked about, that God is the author of time. Do you know that? If he created the entire universe, he created time itself. And if God is the author of time, then it's going to be no problem for him to handle these prayers. Think about it. When an author sits down at his computer, he's typing away, writing a story, and he says, the woman picked up a hairbrush and put it in her purse. But then he decides to take a break. So he goes out, goes on a walk for a little while, comes back, gets something to eat and drink, and hang out, and he finally sits back at his computer an hour later. So an hour has passed. But as he types the rest of the story, then the woman rushed out the door. Well, in the story, not a moment has passed, right? But in real life, this author has taken an hour to walk and think and do all sorts of stuff, and he comes back. And if God is the author of time itself... I don't think it's going to be a problem for him to handle all our billions of prayers. It's not. Because God is infinite, even though we are finite. God is all-powerful, even though we are pretty limited in our bandwidth. In our so we need to understand that God is bigger than that. And here's the other thing about God. He knows what you're going to pray before you even ask Him. So He's not going to just handle it in real time. He already knows. That's what Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, Your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. That's how powerful God is. He knows what you're going to ask. And then Jesus goes on to teach us to pray, and one of the lines He says is, Give us this day our daily bread. That's what Jesus taught us to pray. Now, bread is, is a huge thing, right? I mean, it is hungry, but for most of us, it's just a daily thing. We eat food every day. And Jesus says, Pray for it. 
Jesus said, God knows everything you're going to ask, so ask for the small things. Ask for the insignificant things, the things that are just daily life stuff. And if you're thinking, well, Matt, if God already knows what I'm going to pray before I pray, if, uh, he knows what I'm going to ask before I ask it, why would I do it? But the point is, not so much of us necessarily changing God's mind, but God's changing us. He's working to us, and he wants to develop a relationship with us. He wants us to learn to depend on him for everything in our lives, even the bread we eat. He wants us to ask us for those small things, to realize everything is from him. Everything is from him. So he wants us to ask us and develop a relationship. So what I want to do is encourage you and challenge you to ask God about small things in your life. To talk to him. Throughout your day, talk to him about the things that are going on. Students, that test that you have to take, you can pray about it. You might not mean to lace it, but you should ask. God, help me with this. The things that are going on. God, God, help me with this situation with my kid. Help me with this situation so I can get my sales up. Lord, God, help me with this and that. You can ask for small things because they're important to us. And therefore, they are important to God. Nothing is too small for our day. God, nothing is too small for Him. And if you're here and thinking, well, Matt, Matt, what kind of things are you talking about? Um, just a few weeks ago, I was talking with Derek Blackwood. And he's not here. He's actually in Las Vegas for the worst thing. Man, he's got stuff about there, right? But Derek Blackwood, um, some of you know him, he was telling me that, uh, you know, they had a problem with their fridge. Ooh, that's a big thing, right? That's a big thing. And they had this fridge, and for a whole year, they had this fridge, and every month or two, it would break down. They call out the guy to fix it in the company, and every time they said, can we just have a refund, can we just replace it? And they said, no, we're going to fix it. So they send out the mechanic, and fix the fridge, and then two months later, it's breaking out. He said in the span of 12 months, they had uh, somebody come out to fix it seven times. So here he is on the seventh time, and he remembered that my message that Sunday was about impossible prayers. You remember that message? Powerful prayers. And he's like, this seems impossible to me. I've tried over and over, talked with everyone to try to get this uh, refund from this company, and it's impossible. Maybe small, but it felt impossible to him. It felt really heavy and stressful to him because every time he had to take a day off work to wait for the mechanic to show up. So he decided to pray. God, can you please just give us a refund for this fridge? And the mechanic came, and of course he said, no, we're going to fix it, fixes it, and leaves. But he's on the phone that afternoon calling, can we please get a refund, a refund? And the guy says, okay, you can have a refund. He's like, what? I mean, he, he told me, he's like, you know, I, I thought maybe my negotiating power was really good, and then I realized this is the seventh time I was doing it, and this is the only time I ever prayed. See, God was working in that to replace an appliance. That cares about those small things in our life. He does. And, and if you're here thinking, well, Matt, I don't know, I don't know if he cares about my things because I've asked him for some of those small things that he didn't come through. I didn't get the thing I asked for. Well, I've been there. And, and what we have to keep in mind is that God has a deep purpose. Now, I had a whole message on this in our God is Not Santa Claus series back in December. The, the message was called Wish List. So go check that out or listen to it or watch it online. Because I talked about how God is not a genie. Okay? It's not like you rub this lamp, Robin Williams pops out and answers all your prayers. That's not what God is like. But God has a deeper purpose and knows all things. So he knows what's best in your situation. I remember when I was in seminary. So I was going to school full time. I was working as a waiter. And I also just got married. So I was way too busy, right? You've been nursing me there right now. I was way too busy. And I would always wait for the last second to get a shift covered. 
I needed to work a shift, and I was like, oh, I got this thing I have to do. I have a class or whatever. And I would wait until the last second to text or call, and I would always pray, God, let me get this shift covered. Did God always get my shift covered? No. Because I think, looking back, that God was trying to teach me, well, Matt, you need to be a little more proactive. You need to actually be good at scheduling. Come on, this is an important life lesson you've got to learn. If I answer this prayer every time, you'll never learn it, never figure it out. See, God was teaching me through that, even when he said no to the small things. I say all that to encourage you and challenge you to ask for those things. Ask for the, the doctor's appointment that you're stressed out about. Ask about that car trip that you're taking. God gives us protection. You can ask about all those things. Big, small, because they feel big to you, they feel important to you. Nothing is too small for our big God. And what's amazing is, is Jesus performed miracles like Elisha too. Do you know what Jesus' very first miracle was? Turning water into wine. He wasn't saving someone's life. He wasn't curing a disease. He wasn't, you know, bringing back the dead. He turned water into wine for a party. Seems pretty insignificant, doesn't it? And yet that was Jesus' first miracle. And another time they were on a fishing expedition and they were just out working like a normal work day, didn't catch any fish. And then Jesus says, okay, put your net over there. And they caught a whole ton of fish. Both couldn't even hold it. Seems kind of a small miracle, right? Then there's another time where Jesus and Peter owe some money on a temple tax. And Jesus says, okay, tax the line out, and the fish is going to have a coin in its mouth. They catch the fish, there's a coin in it. It's a pretty bizarre, minor miracle, isn't it? If these are the miracles Jesus works. So what we know from this is that God cares about these small things. Because when Jesus died on the cross, giving himself for us. He died for the big sins, but also the small sins. And it shows God's heart in all of that, that he cares about us. He cares about these little things. And because of that, we can ask him for whatever it is. In Philippians 4.19, we read, that, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God gave his son for you. Look, he gave you so much more. That's what it's saying. And it doesn't say that God will meet the big needs doesn't say, and God will meet those important things that other people around you think are important. No, it says, all you need. God will take care of all those things in Christ Jesus. When you die on the cross for your sins, God has a heart to give you so much more than that as well. Our theme is here, if you were here on the very first Sunday of the year, our, our theme is based on James 5.16. And I, I challenge you guys all to memorize this verse. It's only half a verse. Does anybody have it memorized? James 5.16. You, you better get somebody in the first service started calling it out. And I'm, awesome. Gold star for you. It's just half a verse, so I think you guys can memorize it. It's James 5.16b that says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So through our 21 days of prayer that we started the year with, we were asking for some big things. And a lot of you put sticky notes in the back that had major prayer requests. The, like that woman at my church growing up. They were major things. And we prayed for all those things, and we prayed for big things. But I don't want us to be a church not just praying for big things, but also praying for small things. I want us to be a church filled with people that are praying and talking to God continually, telling them about those things that are on our hearts, even if they seem insignificant to others. I want us to be developing a relationship with God so that we're always talking to Him, that we learn our dependence on Him, that we're speaking to Him about big things and small things alike. So I want us to do that. And because of that, 
we have a band come up. I'm going to make you guys a little uncomfortable. Yeah, because that's what God does sometimes. I'm going to make you a little uncomfortable. We're going to do something we haven't done here before. I'm going to make you pray with the person sitting next to you. Okay? So I, what I'm going to want you to do is find you can pair up with one person or two or three. Just go with the group of people around you. And I want you to pray for the things that are in your heart. Maybe it's a big thing right now. Pray for that. But for some of you, you feel like, oh, my thing isn't very big. I would never share this in a group. I would never tell somebody else to pray for this thing. But I want us to pray for those things. I want us to get in the habit of it. So I want you to share that thing with the person next to you and say, hey, could you pray for this? And then the other person, pray for it. And then, ultimate, right? So I want us to do this. We're going to take a few minutes as the band plays. And I just want us to pray for those small things, aren't I? Because God cares about those small things.